0: We have uh, a three-week mini-series that begins uh, this morning, and will end in uh, a fortnight's time. Entitled "God Provides," hashtag God Provides. So, what's it all about? Why are we choosing to spend the first half of this Lent journey in this way? In two thousand and eight, February two thousand and eight, we opened the church centre. To my left, your right. Which transformed our buildings into a bustling and vibrant place where people are meeting and interacting literally seven days a week. Before that took place, we had this building here, still our halls up the, up the way, this building here, which was only occupied usually for this time on a Sunday and sometimes when I would sit rather cold and shivering in the back there, which incidentally I still do. For those of you who weren't around, uh, this picture is taken as if you're standing where the entrance of the church center is now. So it was just a rubbled bit of uh, wasteland, uh, We're at the back of the rubbled wasteland we erected, just after the First World War, a temporary building to house the beginners. 100 years later, we got round to moving it out the way. How many of you have got things in your house that you put temporarily 100 years ago somewhere and only just getting around to moving it? Next week, I will tell the story of the journey that we were on as a church that ended up with the church center Primarily because it's not a story about bricks and mortar, buildings and glass and windows and regulations and health and safety, because primarily it's a story about how God was faithful to us as we sought to be faithful to him. The bottom line, though, uh, is this, that it cost us 1.1 million pounds to build which is a fair sum of money. All of that money came from the generosity of this community, apart from some very small, almost inconsequential grants and the selling of a property that gave us about 120,000. So it was a massive investment from within uh, the community. Unbelievably, only Seven years later, however many years later it is, 2015, Feb 2008 opened. Uh, Feb 2015. Unbelievably, we only have 30,000 pounds left to pay on that building, and that I think is a remarkable achievement for all kinds of reasons. And it's been in my heart and in our hearts for uh, a number of years. But there will be a time when it's probably right just to say to us together, let's clear the debt, draw a line, and move on. And so our invitation to you as a church, if you've been journeying with us at our church meetings, this comes as no surprise, is to hold a gift day in two weeks' time. So at the end of this series, the finale of this series, on Sunday the 8th of March in order to invite each one of us to think about how we can help clear the debt, draw a line under this stage of the journey, and move forward uh together now we'll give you all the details about that in different ways we'll uh, send information to you during the week and also again on the Sundays uh, as to how we are encouraging people to think about responding principally you can respond by giving a one-off gift or by saying over the next 12 months I will pledge so much a month so much a week uh, so much every quarter or whatever it might uh, be as we journey through these next three weeks, this morning I'm going to look at uh, what the Bible talks about as tithes and offerings. Next week, as I've already mentioned, I'm going to tell the story of uh, God's provision through the church center, and then on the final uh, Sunday, we'll hold a gift day with joy and thanksgiving. What, why are we doing it? I think we're doing it for three reasons, in addition to the drawing our attention to where we are as a church financially. I want to take the opportunity to retell the story because there are many of you here that have never heard it. So there are uh, many of us that are part of our story now that weren't around at the planning stage or even the building stage of the church center. And you become comfortable with it so easily. We're so familiar with it now, we barely notice it. But God did some miracles here to enable that to happen. And I forget those things all too easily. So I want to share them with you as a reminder to me, but also as an encouragement to uh, all of us as we seek to move forward uh, together. Uh, I want to give all of us an opportunity to invest or to reinvest in the buildings that we appreciate, in the, the family home. Uh, And there will be uh, a number of us here who have never financially invested in it because you you didn't even know there was anything to invest in. Does that make sense? And then thirdly and finally, uh, I want us to think and use the opportunity to think about our giving in the light of God's provision uh, to us. This morning then is very simple. I want us to think about tithes and offerings, primarily tithes. Before we get underway, I just want to offer a few riders. You might find what I say this morning hugely insensitive. So hear the apology ahead of the game. And you might find that it's insensitive because if I was talking to you one-on-one and I understood your circumstances, it would be insensitive. But, But clearly I'm not. So I'd love you to to, to hear what I'm saying in the light of I'm not talking to you personally. I'm not aware of each of our, our particular issues. So for example, you might be struggling with debt this morning. And therefore, much of what I say seems really strange in that context, and you would be right to think that. We have resources and people that can help. If you're struggling with debt, then we would love to get alongside you uh, and help you. People will talk about sexual abuse and porn, statistics show, before they talk about debt. So there is an issue of debt in our culture, in our society, And, and if I'm just speaking into your situation, then I want you to think, hey, he's inviting me to raise my hand and say, I can get some help and some support here. The second thing is, of course, you might be not responsible for the, the household finances. They, you might be married to uh, a spouse that doesn't share your values, particularly in this area. And it might therefore seem insensitive, some of the things that I'm, I'm saying. And a host of other reasons as well. If you're new or visiting here, you think, my goodness, this is a hard money sale. <laughs> Let me put this into context you can go onto the website and look at the sermon series for the last, since 2006 are all on the website. So that's nine years of sermons and you will see that we hardly mention money ever at all. So, uh, just, if you're going, flip, I've only, I've only been in this church for 25 minutes and they're, they're giving me all the money stuff. we, you, we don't do this every week. Okay? Do we, guys? You don't usually hear me talking like this. You usually hear me saying, we're about to take up the offering and I'm really embarrassed about it and I wish we didn't have to do it. True? Yeah. Okay, good. We're on the same page. Uh, um, (laughs) uh, And um, just another thought is that sometimes people think that everything that's collected goes straight into the minister's pocket. There's nothing funny about that, but it isn't true. True. And uh, we can double our giving. It doesn't bless me personally in that sense at all. So there's not a personal agenda. Just get that on the table. Um, I do know people that have thought that, whoa, <laughs> I'd send it around again if it was just for me. Um, uh-uh. Although if you all stop giving, then I'd be made redundant along with the rest of the staff. So, of course, there's some kind of declaration of interest, if you like. Tithes and offerings. Offerings are usually talked about as kind of special moments. Offerings is what's enabled us to build a church center. So we we said, for goodness sake, don't stop your giving. Whatever we do to build that, we have to do over and above our normal giving because this community of God's people needs to carry on with its mission and its ministry, and we can't stop that. That's offerings. One-offs or a period of time, special focus, special goal, whatever it might be. Tithes what's that all about? That's more your regular giving, your sustained giving, what you would do routinely. And that's what I want us to think about for a few moments this morning. And I ask the question, why? Why should I give? It's a pretty good question, really. Why should I give? We should give because God is a generous giver. That black on that yellow doesn't really work, does it? We'll have another go next week at that. Because God is a generous giver, and we are called to be in His image. For God so loved the cosmos, Greek word, the world, the grotty, sinful, dirty, wicked, rebellious, evil world. That's effectively what the word says. For God so loved that world that He gave his perfect, beautiful, spotless, one and only, ultimately precious Son. Because God is a generous giver. Why should we give? Because it's an antidote to materialism. The God of this age is. Money or mammon and, and the gods of this age promise so much and deliver so little. We buy and accumulate things because we believe they will make us happy and we believe they will make us content and they be, we believe that they will satisfy, but they do not deliver on their promise, do they? Because what we thought would satisfy us very quickly makes us thirsty again. What we thought would make us comfortable very quickly makes us edgy because it's no longer the latest, the best, the whatever it was when we first acquired it. When I learn to give, I'm saying I'm not going to hold tightly to those things that I know do not give me what they say they will on the tin. When I give, it demonstrates my trust. Ultimately, my trust is not in how much money I can acquire. My trust is not in how much stuff I can get around me. My trust is not in the pension provision that I am paying way over the odds in order to maintain. Ultimately, my trust is in a Father in heaven who says, I know everything you need. Look how I care for the lilies of the field. I even know the numbers of hairs on your head. And some of you are kindly helping God with that. (laughs) But he knows. And, And again and again and again, we have to declare our trust in a father who ultimately has my life in his strong grip. Because I'm a fool when I build bigger barns. Jesus told a story like that. You build bigger and bigger barns and and, and one night your soul is required and Jesus says, what a complete fool that he thinks he could gain the whole world but yet at the very moment you think you have everything. You discover that actually you have nothing. Why should I give? Because it demonstrates my trust. Because God blesses the generous. If you're looking for some self-interest in this, this is a good one. If you give, God will bless you. This is not a prosperity nonsense. This is just a fact that as we live generously, God honors our generosity. There are promises in God's word for that. That's not necessarily a primary motivation for giving. And it's not a um, it's not a kind of slot machine response to God. We could talk about these uh, principles for a long time. But there's a gen- if we live generously, God blesses a generous life, true or false. True, God blesses a generous life. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. Why should I give? Because He asks. Maybe this is it. Maybe you don't need any other nonsense that I'm rabbiting on about this morning. Just because He asks. Because if God says, if He says, I'll do that. What do we sing? I will follow. I will, that's what it means. I, I'll follow. I'll give my all to you. I, I'll, if you ask, I'll do it. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Basically, that's every, a tithe of all my salary, basically, and a tithe of all my capital stuff. Why should I give? because it's all God's anyway. It's all his. And when we give, like we did in the offering some of us this morning, we we acknowledge it's, it's all God's. The idea that I've got some stuff is a nonsense, because it's all his. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You go, no, it's not. It's mine. I worked jolly hard for that. I got up at 5 a.m. and commuted into London. I did this. I worked late the other night. I've done some overtime. I've worked all weekend. This is my money because I've worked hard for it. And way, way back, God says, no, no, no. Early on in the faith story, remember who it is that even gives you the opportunity and the ability to be up at 5 a.m., to work late at night, to work through whatever, to do some overtime. It's all his, isn't it? It's all his. That's mine. That's, my, that's why we can't stand that story about the workers. They all, some works all day and some turns up at the 11th hour and gets the same pay. It makes you feel mad inside, doesn't it? It's hard to acknowledge that it's all God's. I guess you don't really need to be convinced about whether or not you should give. There'll be hardly any of us here who will think that that is in dispute in some way. The real question that you want to know is how much, right? How much can I give God that he'll be really pleased with me? Or how much can I give him that he'll be off my back? (laughs) Nervous laughter echoes around the building for the benefit of the tape. How much? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. A tithe literally meant 10%. That's the base. That's where we start. If we go to the Bible, we want to think about how much. Let's start there because that's where the Bible again and again and again, New Testament and Old begins the tie, the starting point. Now, some of you are thinking, that's an awful lot to give. Two reflections. God, even though it's all his, is letting you keep nine tenths. That seems fairly generous to me. (laughs) Not not even nervous laughter around the room now. The second thing is the tax man wants twice, if not more, if not four times as much as God wants. That's increased your sense of anger and frustration towards the state. Uh, No end. Maybe God's 10% is quite reasonable in the great scheme of things. Giving less than 10%, the Bible describes as stealing. Now, don't shoot the messenger. It's just the verse. And it's, and and we have to deal with that because the, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, training, and righteousness. So somehow we have to deal with what it says. The, the guys were going in the Old Testament. They were longing for God to move in power in their church in Malachi's day. They're crying out to him. And what happens? God says, the reason, the reason that you're not getting the blessing they're looking for is actually you're tight-fisted. Actually, not only are you tight-fisted, you're stealing from me. And the people are like, what? stealing from you i might be stealing from my employer i might be stealing from somebody else but i'm not stealing anything from you god says yeah and your tithes and your offerings you're you're nicking from me the 10th that's mine and you're taking it in tithes and offerings and you're under a curse your whole nation because you are robbing me but of course often i hear the tithe is the old testament way isn't it and you know what we think about the Old Testament? Brr. New Testament, happy. <laughs> Jesus. Old Testament, so So the tithe so is all the Brr, is all the brrr bit, and the New Testament is all the happy bit. So surely when we get into the New Testament, we're all to talk about grace and joy and peace and happiness. None of this give your tithe and be under some kind of obligation. You, you want to be free as a Christian, don't you? Yes, you do. The bad news is, Jesus affirms the tithe. Jesus says, get on with the tithe, just like everything else. Stop moaning about it. The Pharisees are making a big deal about it. Jesus basically says, shut up, that's the least you can do. It's my paraphrase. The next Eugene Peterson coming along, how do you think it'll go? But more than that, in the New Testament, we are called to excel in the grace of giving. If in the Old Testament, before they knew anything with clarity about God's incredible gift of Jesus, if in the Old Testament it was 10%, what might be reasonable in the New Testament? If you can make an argument, well, put it this way, you can make an argument that we are released from the obligation of the tithe. Because we live in freedom. I would agree with you. I do not think for one moment we can logically create an argument that says we're released from it and we don't even need to get anywhere near it. I don't think that makes any sense from the scriptures. I think there's more of an obligation on us than there was in the Old Testament. Does that make sense? So forget about, forget about the 10% and some kind of legal law. Just, well, that's, with, that's the starting point. And and take it up with God from there, and I think we'll all be pretty cool with that. Uh when should I give? When should I give? On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up. On the first day of every week. When should I give? Give first that's the principle. Give first. You don't give at the end. You don't you don't give when you can establish how much you've got left. You give first. Uh, and that's what you do with your obligations, with your primary commitments. You don't see how much you've got left to pay your mortgage. You don't see how much you've got left to pay the tax man. You don't see how much you've got left in, with other, um, what you might consider regular priority commitments in your life. Uh, and that's simply mirrored to it. It's always the first fruits, the first day of the week, the first tenth, the first Part of the harvest give first and give regularly with your income on the first day of every week setting aside a sum in keeping with your income so regularly now for most of you that might mean monthly that might not mean weekly for some of you it might mean weekly for others of you for different reasons it might mean quarterly or whatever uh, else might be your equivalent when should i give regularly and give first. How should I give? By standing order. It's in the Bible, by standing order. The bank is the closest thing we've got to the storehouse, by standing order. How should I give? By standing order. You see, it's easier for you to do that because you only have to fill in a form once and it's done. It's easier for us if you do that because if you bring money to the offering, we have to get it to the bank. Because of all the legislation and so on, we need more than one person to count it, to check that it's right, to check all the money that's given goes to the right place. Then it needs to be taken off premises. We don't keep any money on the premises at all, ever. So it goes off the premises uh, to another place. Then on Monday, someone else has to take it to the bank. So we're looking at two or three volunteer hours every single week. We can reduce that by helping one another by giving it straight into the storehouse We can cut out the middleman in that sense And that would be a good thing the third reason i'd like us to give by standing order Is because i'm i'd like not to have the offering There's three reasons i'd like not to have the offering one It's awful when we have a church full of guests and within the first 15-20 minutes. We have a whip round It's awful because it reinforces what everybody thinks about the church. What people think about the church is that we don't care about them, but if they can give us some of the money to keep our buildings and our spires going, then we'll get it as quickly as we can. That's what they think. I hate that, don't you? That's not the generous giving God that I want us to celebrate. The second thing is then we go... Well, um, you don't need to give. And Anna did it brilliantly this morning. Okay, spot on. So I'm not in any way reflecting on what Anna said. She did it absolutely perfectly. We say exactly what we want to say. We're thrilled to bits that you're in church. Um, If you're part of the regular membership of this church, then, you know, you use it to give and so on. And then what happens? The the bag goes up and down the rows. And in my row, we're like this. And you're going, well, what's the matter with him? He doesn't give a penny. Stand in order. (laughs) and in order you can do that too you don't have to fumble in your pockets and think oh my goodness I've left it home I haven't got anything and at least we have deep bags you know the worst thing is can you imagine this right the plate goes around like this and everyone can see what you're putting in perhaps we should do that one Sunday you know come on here we go we have deep bags so you can put your if you're clever right you can put your hand in and make it rustle actually not put anything in because you're embarrassed because everyone's watching you. So it's a whole, the offering's a whole load of nonsense. I'm expressing my personal view now, not necessarily the whole view of the community, yeah? Now, do we need times in our church services when we thank God and acknowledge what we're doing? Absolutely, no question about that. But, but we could improve our game in this area, I think. Trouble is, at the moment, loads of people or quite a lot of money comes in through the offering. For which we're deeply grateful and it's part of people's regular giving because that's been our tradition that's how we've done it um, maybe we can think about doing it differently you can fill in a form for uh, take you about two or three minutes and it'll be done um, forever and uh, there we go so how should I give by standing order other ways you can give as well we're gonna send you all the stuff and you can see how you can do it and so the finance team finance team will believe or be in touch and uh, you can you can I was going to say, do what you like with all of that. But no, you can respond positively with that. Okay, where should I give? Where should I give? Okay, um, the, the, the world is complex, isn't it? Um, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Where should I give? Should I give it all to church? I don't know, to tell the truth. Because church isn't just this. Church is all kinds of stuff. So I, 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 don't, I don't know, really. Ask God. Ask God. And, and to be honest, do what he says. That's all. I don't care about anything else. Do that and, and work it out with him. you are you going to give? It would be odd, I think, if we didn't kind of, in a sense, invest in the place where God's called us to invest our time and our energy. So it would be odd if we didn't invest there financially as well. But, but work it out. Work it out. This is not a legalism. It's not a rule. I don't make it my business to have a clue who gives anything. I've got no idea who gives what. don't care to who gives what. But God cares when he sees your heart. And that takes us to the final thing I want to say about our attitude. Our attitude. With what attitude should I give? Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. You must give willingly. Now, it's a bit awkward now, isn't it, after I've talked like this, for you to feel you're giving willingly. So let me make it very clear If you are giving already to this church and it feels like a burden obligation, would you stop, please? Maybe for a season until you can work it out. Because it's not about your money. It's about our hearts. And I don't want you giving out of any sense of obligation, guilt, feeling some kind of pressure, some kind of human nonsense, some kind of legalism, all that rubbish. So don't stop. Stop. You can see who the finance people are now because they're shaking in their pews. What did he say? <laughs> do, do, don't. Stop. God will look after us. Won't he? Yeah? A couple of people have got their fingers and toes crossed, but God will look after us. It's about your heart. Honestly, I'd rather that we sorted out our hearts. Do nothing, especially in this area, under compulsion or obligation. Do it willingly and do it cheerfully I'll never forget some of my experiences in Africa well for all kinds of reasons but I remember being in Kenya when it came the time for the offering Uh, and they don't have the stuff that we've got they have quite a bit that we don't they have a happiness we haven't got by the way and a contentment they now how to build community in a way we don't. So they've got quite a few things we haven't got. But there's quite a lot of stuff that they think, sadly, they want that we've got. And it came for the offering time. And instead of the embarrassment and the awkwardness that I've just described in our scenario, and I appreciate the awkwardness and embarrassing might be my personal issue, there was, it, it was like the high point of the service. It was like the moment they would literally dance down to the front. So all you non-dancers would be in serious trouble. Because not only did you have to give, willingly and cheerfully you had to dance as well. Ooh, I don't mind giving cheerfully, but dancing in church, that's not on the agenda. So you had to do all of that. And, And out of their little, out of their poverty... Their gifts were so rich... Because there was something that they'd captured about it being willing and cheerful, and knowing that we trust in God, and we could give all this money away, and it doesn't really matter because God will look after us. And Jesus said, "Look at that woman over there as she shuffled in, and she has almost nothing. Everybody can see she's got nothing, and she reaches into her apron and she brings out almost nothing. It, it's worthless. I mean, what difference is that amount of money going to make in the temple treasury? In truth, diddly squat difference. Hardly anything at all. A drop in the ocean. She gives it in, Jesus." Because that's the one. That's what it's about. Forget about all you with your big checks and all your flash clothes and stuff. That's the one, Jesus says. Uh, And he turns it all on its head. With what attitude should I give? Sacrificially. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. If it doesn't hurt a little, you're probably not given enough. Why? Because we give in the light of what God has given to us. We are givers because he has been a giver first. As you think about your giving, not just to Burlington, wherever that might be, as you think about your giving, do you see the Father smile this morning? Or are there things you know you need to sort out? These three weeks are an opportunity for us to do just that. Let's pray.